0: Welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Justin, Heavy Hole, friends, Mondays. How you doing? What's going on? Whoa, yeah, I'm okay, man. I'm all right. Hanging in. Hanging in. How you guys doing?
1: Not so bad. Getting the sun. Having my Not Monday night beer. Yeah.
0: Oh, oh, boy. Oh, yeah, all yeah, the he- vitamin D, man.
1: Uh, you need it. it. Keeps you healthy. Staying nice Every and night hot. is beer night. Nice and flourished. It, it keeps you sane, having a couple... The old Steve
0: Weiser's cracking them open. What What's not helping keep me sane is this like uh, Beastie Boys-like video effect you guys have both embraced now on, on the Skype app. You guys are like, it's kind of like a blue screen effect where you're fading in and out of someone else's face. It's really uh, disturbing.
1: Yes. Um, mm-hmm. For those of you at home, we're utilizing the Skype background replacement, so it's not confusing. I just have a picture of myself behind me. Which probably yeah, makes that's it more nice. confusing. That's,
0: that's still that's still confusing, dude. Like, what's <laughs> Before, you were, you were coming out of the crypt of darkness, and the only thing you could see was you. I don't see the need for the background, man. <laughs>
1: We've, we're advancing the technology yet again. Oh, and yeah. uh, who
0: could keep up, really? All right. Well, I'm, I'm not doing any allegedly weird things in my room behind Skype that I need these weird apps um, you guys can just see my window, maybe some death metal posters on the back. I'm chilling, man. Yeah, what have you been doing? Uh, me? Oh, yeah. I was about to ask Justin because sometimes we forget, sometimes <laughs> we skip over yeah, fuck Justin. Yeah, yeah, dude. I get feel me guilty, in. man. I'm going to parlay right over to Justin so that doesn't. We'll get to me. I, I, I got a couple of things I'm not going to forget, but I want to know about Justin. Oh, cool, man. Thanks for asking. It's fucking nice of you. Um. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, doing pretty good, man. I just finished up a, a ref a refurb uh, project I was working on. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa
0: refurb! Whoa. Yeah, was, I was a refurb- I,
1: I did a refurbation yeah. on. Um, I put my refurb on this 1950s uh, U.S. Army shovel. Um, hmm. Yeah, sanded it all up. Got all this grimy rust off and uh, you know, alleged uh, entrails that maybe were in there from the battlefield and stuff like that. Sanded it up nice and then painted it um, matte black. You know, and all the all the metal parts, nice stain on hmm. the wood. I got. I've been painting a lot of things matte black. Uh, it's it's like a new friend now. It's Matthew Black. He's he's my new friend. He's over uh, hanging out with me in the garage every day, and uh, we're getting the work done. So that's yeah. All right, I mean,
0: man. That's the so, fucking news. Well, shout, shout to you, uh, and shout to uh, Reefer Hut, the uh, old school death grind band from the nineties. Uh, obscure. Um, Tom, what, what's going on over there? I can't even tell. Is it is, is the real Tom the picture, the big one by the tree? Are you outside? This is, it's just like that Beastie Boys video. So, this was actually my headshot
1: that I used for my ASCAP award. And it, uh, I know you can't see it from here, but uh, below where you can see, it, I'm wearing a Brodequin shirt. And that's why they didn't put it on the website. Oh. I, try, I tried to rep the death metal thing, and ASCAP is the least metal. Musical society out there, so uh, they just didn't put me on the website, even though I submitted okay. it on time. Fuck those people! It's uh nothing metal about that shit. It's the thought that counts. Yeah, Ra- I guess. ratings yeah. aren't metal.
0: Come on. I try to avoid the f- the photo shoots. Uh, you know what I mean? Somebody somebody grabs a little picture on the go. It's all right, but you know, it gets too hot. I start sweating out there.
1: Pressure's on, man. I love yeah, that one uh, that, that, uh, band photo, Buckshot Facelift,
0: where you're really into it. I
1: think you have a cigarette in your
0: mouth. Were you smoking at that time? That was a prop cigarette um, for the photo shoot. Yeah, I actually borrowed it from maybe Sal or somebody, man. I did not smoke that cigarette. That's a true mm-hmm. behind-the-scenes story. Yeah, it was for the um, uh, the gritty street image that we try to project with Buckshot Facelift. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, man, yeah, dude, I, I, uh, I've smoked, I've smoked the occasional bogey in my time, but I think for some reason I wanted to have a cigarette hanging out of my mouth for that picture. I don't know why, man. I, I actually, I always, hear, you want a tangent, man. I had this Marvel Comics book when I was a kid, uh, and I read it back and forth. It was about the history of Marvel, a big like tabletop book or whatever you call it, coffee table book. Mm-hmm. And there was an old picture of Stan Lee, uh, rest in peace, when he was a younger man. And he had a cigarette and the little like, you know, notation underneath the picture said, explained that he, he didn't smoke. He only had the cigarette for, um, you know, the, the photograph purposes, you know, like a prop, man. So I think I've always had that in my head. So it's funny you bring that up, man, because there's like a, a weird story behind that. Anything you bring up to me, there's always some weird story where you're like, all right, Will's doing too much. <laughs> well, I mean, every time
1: I smoke a cigarette, I do feel tougher and uh, simultaneously uh. weaker.
0: Well, it's the same way I feel every time I record vocals for a death metal album.
1: <laughs> yes, takes a lot out of you or puts too much into you. Either way. Yeah. All right. A whole, uh, wh- whole wh- lot. A whole lot. So, wh-
0: what was new this week,
1: Will? What did you get into?
0: Um, well, you know, I've been, um, uh, I- I've been plugging Twenty Bucks Spin a lot. That label. I'm not going to go there right now, um, but you can go to their website. Twenty Bucks Spin. No, come on, come on. Um, but I got to say, um, while we are plugging the vinyl. Uh, a website a distributor i've dealt with in the past uh earache records no stranger no no small guy in the scene really but um you might be surprised by by the vinyl they are stocking right now not necessarily earache releases but distributing as well Uh, a lot of your classic old school european black metal and death metal releases things you might not expect to find man i spent a few minutes perusing their selection. I might have to put the order in, but that's just my little my little Uncle Buck collector's tip of the day um, if you're in a position to collect, man. You know, hopefully everybody's doing all right out there, man. But um, beyond that, um, spoiling my, my uh, feral cat, Tommy, with um, an alternating mix of Sheba wet cat food and this new um, uh, Meow Mix poultry and beef. Uh, he seems to like it. He's doing all right with that. So shout out to Meow Mix and Sheba. We're doing uh, big things.
1: Wait here. a second. You named yeah. your stray cat Tommy?
0: No, I did not. Uh, my father has named every cat we've ever had going back 30 years Tommy. And a lot of them got alternate names once they got taken into the house. But this cat is technically my father's cat, though because of uh, the way the animals are broken up on, the Sm- on Smith Manor. You know, he lives with me now.
1: Man. You weren't kidding before when you said that it always runs deep with you.
0: There's always a story. It always I got to write a book or something. I got I should do a podcast. That's what they tell me every once in yeah. a while. Yeah, man. Um, I listen. Yeah. Now Justin's got like sliced deli trays behind him. I'm getting hungry. Dude, when we when we start doing the interview, you guys got to snap back to normal cuz I'm going to get distracted. I'm, I'm going to look be tough. like oh. <laughs> Yeah, speak, speaking of uh, recording the demo, uh, I heard I heard you had some salami issues. I mean, uh, um, uh, you know what I mean. Like I'm gonna be looking at or Tom's ominous ass cat photo is just gonna be staring me in the face <laughs> the, the whole time. It's really um, disturbing. We can talk about blast beef uh, next next podcast. Blast beef is that a band? That's is that one of those bands oh, like the cat Band? I mean, blast beats. I'm sorry. Oh, now, yeah. now you got me on it. Sure, I'm yeah, that See, down. it's contagious. There you go.
1: Too bad the listeners can't see how tough I look right now. Okay.
0: yeah, tough guy. All right. Well, listen, man. Um, we we got we to gotta straighten it all out because uh, in a few minutes, we're going to have classic death metal guitarist and singer Sharon Beskovsky on the horn. Uh, we're going to talk to her about her long-running act, Dirkada. Apparently, allegedly, as we say, one of the uh, first uh, all-female death metal bands from the United States recording and performing gigs. So uh, I want to be clear-headed. Please take that uh, delectable salami ham tray off of your Skype background, sir. That's right. Lunch is over. Pick up the phone. Yeah, it's time for school. Get Sharon on. Whole Podcast um, with me as always, Justin and Tom. Uh, and today our guest is Sharon Beskoski, uh, perhaps best known from her work as the guitarist and singer of the long-running band, Dirkada. Uh, Sharon, thank you for your time. Thank you. We appreciate you being with us. Um, and we already kind of went over the preliminaries. We have a lot of questions. And you have a kind of a long-running story in the metal scene, so we want to just get into it. Um, the listeners know where I'm going. I always start off, are you from a particularly musical family? And is rock and roll or heavy metal prevalent in any way in your family?
2: No, not at all. Um, now, my my parents uh, would rather uh, I play country. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, metal um, definitely has been a uh, a sore spot. <laughs> you know, they've gotten used to it over the years. But my older brother. You know, he listens to, like, a Leonard Skinnerd and stuff like that. So that's kind of growing up. Um, he, you know, he and I were listening to that stuff, but not parents, no.
0: <laughs> and speaking of growing up, are you from Pittsburgh originally?
2: Yeah, I, I am. I'm from a, a suburb about, uh, about 20 minutes from Pittsburgh called Oakdale.
0: Okay, and um, you know um, when I reached out to you, uh, one of our recent guests was uh, Mary Bielick, who's also a member of Dirkada, But um, I notice uh, it's, what is it, 1989 is the first official rehearsal demo that you released with Dirkada, if I got that right, right? Correct. I would imagine you probably, like, what, in your late teens when when you started Dirkada? Was that your first band?
2: Yeah, um, we started in 88, so I would have been 17 at the time. Um, I have a late birthday, so uh, I didn't turn 18 until December of 88, so... Um, but songs were getting written prior to that. Um, I started playing guitar, I think I was 14 or 15, and trying to, like the, the people that I wanted to, to play like with like Randy Rose and Eddie Van Halen. So when you're first starting out, it's hard to, um, you, you know, you get very easily discouraged when you go to take lessons and you're like nowhere near what you want to be. Um, So I kind of got a little bit frustrated with trying to play, you know, completely out of my league. And I just started playing, like writing my own stuff. I stumbled over um, some things. I'm like, oh, so then I kind of like caught that, that writing bug. Um, And then I met Terry. uh, We were, we were just seniors in high school and I met her at a party and We started talking, and I mentioned that, you know, I was writing songs and I was looking for, you know, to form a band, and she said she was interested, so that's how that all started up.
0: Uh, And you mentioned Terry uh, Hagen, who um, we did speak about uh, in our interview with Mary, Um, and that was going to be my question, was you two coming together? Mary kind of said that when she uh, started jamming with the two of you, that you were already very well informed on extreme music and the underground, which was very obscure in the late 80s at that point. I mean, you're talking about kind of thrash meeting this um, point of extremity where death metal starts being born right there in the late 80s. We've talked about it a lot on the show with death and possessed and so on and so forth. Um, what are some of the bands that, that you were listening to that you like? first found out when you found out about the underground and music more extreme than what was commercially available?
2: Oh, like Sacrifice? Um, you know, like I was at some concert. I think it may have been Motley Crue. Um, whenever I, I, I don't know, 85, 86, I, I can't remember. But someone from a local uh, radio station was handing out like mixtapes. And, you know, he gave me a tape and it was like, you know, Slayer, um, Sacrifice testament it was like all these like thrash fans and that was like my ticket um into investigating all of that stuff
0: yeah and i know back then it was like a, a much more kind of a clandestine obscure like tape trading culture where did you start tape trading with people from all over the world and, and that sort of thing
2: yeah i did the one thing that it, you know now that we have all these other generations that have come into it I don't think people realize that metal like Iron Maiden Judas Priest like all that kind of stuff that was mainstream music it wasn't people almost the way they talk they they almost act as if it's, if you listen to metal when you were a teenager that you were like like wow or something and it's like <laughs> no like millions of people listen to metal You know, it was. I mean, they were, you know, touring and filling up arenas and big stage shows. I mean, the people back then—they live in mansions. They have like, you know, several mansions. So it's it's not like metal was like obscure. But when you got to like the underground, that was obscure, and that was that's a whole other ball brick game. Like now, everything is kind of mixed and it's all like some big happy family type of thing but that wasn't how it was back then i mean it was like the underground was like it, it, it was you know you, you know people used to talk about like you know like they said parents or whatever and they had like you know the pmrc like talking about like subliminal you know satanic messages and it was like you know the stuff we're listening to stay in it forward you know there's no so backwards you know messages with it you know because you start listening to like the Venom and you know battery and stuff like that I mean it was it, the underground um, was just a whole other just ball game with it all but yeah I, I used the tape tree.
0: In doing the research and um, you know listening to other interviews you've done and you and uh, I believe it's uh, Ro- Robin Mason. If I got her name right, uh, your bass player in Durkata did a uh, an ask me anything on Reddit uh, about a year ago, and you addressed the idea uh, of being like the first all woman death metal band, and that that's if I if I got your your sentiment correctly, that that's not really what's important. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, that's whenever we started, it just happened to be that's what it was. Um, you know, I I was really. Shy back then, to where I, I wouldn't have approached a guy to play in their band. I was friends with, you know, the the underground bands here in Pittsburgh. We were all friends, but I, I didn't have the confidence to be like, "Hey, can I join your band? I'm writing some songs." So that's how it started. That you know, I approached Terry, and you know, it just was more like a friend. Like I felt um, like more comfortable with her. And that's how the band started. So, you know, it just kind of <laughs> was all female because we were all female. It's not like we set out like, I, you know, I want to do the, you know, an all female, you know, death metal band. It just, it just happened to be that way. In fact, um, it, there was a, a brief period. It was right before Mary, um, when we uh, got introduced to Mary. Don Crossley from Nunslaughter was trying to learn the songs on bass so we could start playing live. So, you know, we didn't have any, you know, criteria, you know, that it had to be like, oh, girl. And it was right at that moment whenever Don had met Mary and he was like, hey, I got this idea. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I met this girl. She's in the metal. She plays bass. I don't know how to play bass. <laughs> you know, like, why don't, you know, you guys talk. And that's how it happened. And so it, it, it kind of just fell into the whole thing.
0: Yeah, uh, and what what strikes me about Dirkada is, um, obviously, it's kind of a very uh, selectively curated uh, catalog that you have. It's not like you're a band that was trying to put out a new album every year to, to keep a tour cycle going or something like that. And I know... Um, not to skip ahead but you 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 the 2012 full length in death we meet you tried to get the entire original lineup which you did for uh for the album and um on on that note too i know mary said that part of the reason why her and terry ended up playing in mythic was maybe because you were more interested in buckling down and songwriting and kind of that expressive nature of of the music and they were more interested in going out to, to perform live and to tour. Is is that a fair assessment, or you know, could we get your perspective on that?
2: Yeah, that's that's half true. That that that's what Mary knows because that's of what when she came into the band is when things were there was problems. So the 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 part that is true is I did not want to play any live shows until everybody had all their parts down and we were practicing to get tight um it wasn't like that at the time i mean terry she, she bought a drum set whenever we you know joined like started the band so whenever i had approached her she was uh you know i was like well what can you do she's like yeah i can sing she didn't realize that i wanted like the cam lee type <laughs> you know, vocals, like death metal vocals. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, originally she was going to be the vocalist. So whenever um, I was over her house one day, I'm like, well, let me hear the vocals. And she started kind of singing like a fate's warning. And I'm like, well, no, 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 that's not what I'm looking for. Like, I'm, you know, I want something like Cam Lee. She's like, well, I can't do that. I'm like, well, well, you know, is there an instrument that you want to play? Because we were, you know, friends and we were kind of like really like, liking the idea of, of, of having the band and she's a drums so you know hey, like, let, let find you a drum set <laughs> and so we started going out to um, a friend of ours, Jeff Cheriff who was in a band called Doomwatch and we um, he kind of taught her you know, uh, quick lessons and so we kind of uh, like she just learned as we went and for the vocalist, it was like, you know, I got the job by default. It was like there was no one, <laughs> it was just me and her. And I was like, well, I guess I'll try it. And so as we were, uh, you know, we recorded um, that rehearsal, then we did the four-song demo, and then we had that seven-inch. It, it, it just, you know, it was just the two of us, but, but she was always um, working on the drums, so they were never really. Um, I don't want to say like solidified, because the the, the problem that we were having was to me once once you record a song the way it is, whatever drum beats are on that recording, that's it. <laughs> like you just that's that's the song that you play. But she was um, improving naturally, and so she wanted the drums to be better. So every time we would rehearse, it was like trying things out. and it's like, well, no, like, you know we're we're never gonna get tight with, you know, everything's always been experimented. So we started having a conflict of that. and and she and Mary, when she came into the band, like it was um, like that tension was was already like starting with me and Terry. Uh, we were being asked to play shows, and the reason why we got married was to play shows. You know, we I uh, wanted to have two guitars, so, you know, we also... There was a girl, Heidi, that we were trying out at the time, too. So, at the time when everything kind of um, exploded with the band, we were still trying to find the members to play live. So, that's where when mary came in you know she took it as that i didn't want to play live but we just weren't ready to play live so like like six months later we probably would have but terry was kind of like you know we're getting asked to play this fast i'm going to play this fast it's like not going on stage and you know if we can't get through a, a rehearsal without any, you know,
1: problems,
2: (laughs) and it's like, I'm not going on stage like that.
1: Yeah, you can't, like, be fighting over parts, and then expect it to come together in go time.
2: I find, like, a lot of, like, drummers, um, like, you know, because some will improv on stage, but when you're, uh, with me, doing the vocals, that's a whole other instrument thrown into the mix that, you know, like, people that don't sing and play probably won't realize it, or 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 probably never even thought about it but you have to become automatic on guitar (laughs) you know like you can't like when i'm on stage i can't think what i'm playing like that has to be like an automatic thing because i'm thinking about the lyrics and the tone of the vocals and all of that so I, i need the drums to be like where I think they are expected to be.
1: I know, I've tried playing and doing vocals, and as soon as you think about what you're playing, you fuck it
2: up. Exactly. Anything. Any thought. Like, we played a a show, uh, um, it was, like, a decibel, like, one of those decibel, uh, fest, or whatever. And there was, like, someone dressed up, like, in, like, a horse outfit. And it caught my attention. And it was like, is that a horse? Like, (laughs) and that right there like and then i'm like oh, what, what song are we doing like i it was a like complete like blank of shit <laughs> yeah. so i mean it's one of those things that i try to like I, I i get like a like a focal point like in the back of somewhere and i just stare at it and and people are like wow you're so stoic on stage and i'm like it's, i'm just trying to, <laughs> not to pay attention to whatever is happening you know
0: i I can re- I can definitely relate to that. And um while well, a lot there the um, the horse that's I don't know if it's a East Coast thing or a Death Fest thing, but there's the horse, the Maryland Death Fest. Yeah, the Chicken Suit guy, which I believe originated in Maryland Death Fest many years ago. Cleveland, Ohio, there's a a, a Knight in Shining Armor guy um, that I met uh, once. So there's those guys, you got to maybe we'll get them together with the horse. That's a match made in heaven. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> uh, you know what, what you were saying and you know for the listeners bear in mind you're talking about many years ago when you were um, at, at, you know teenagers at the most in your early 20s a lot you know still developing in what you wanted to do and, and, your, and your talents <clears throat> so it's, um, it's very understandable probably a common situation when people are very young forming bands uh, what you just described you mentioned Don of the Dead of Nunslaughter and if I'm not mistaken, uh, Jim Sadist, aka Jim Kanye rest in peace, takes over on drums once Terry Hagen uh, parts ways. Did I get that correct?
2: Yeah, kinda. There was some years uh, in between when Terry uh, and Mary left to do Mythic. You know, that was in I think 90. I don't know if that was 91 or ni- late 90 or something. Um, uh we got I, I was working with a, a local drummer called Scott Phillips. He was from a, a band called Death Mass. Um, and I regret to this day that we didn't get a recording out at the time because then there was the confusion that Dracada and Mythic were the same band. Um, and it's it's still something that I have to fight with. Um, but yeah, so it's you know there was uh, you know songs and rehearsals and stuff going on with Scott. Back then it was like, being a female in the whole scene or whatever, we had the problems of like, girlfriends, and Scott got back with his girlfriend and he wasn't gonna play in the band anymore. That's why the recording never happened back then. And I didn't really think anything of it until, um, you know, I started seeing the confusion. People were writing letters to me about the whole mythic thing thinking that it was the one in the same band, and I had no idea it was them. I'm like, what, you know, what is this about? You know, but it was, you know, things were said back then that um, implied that it was like one in the same. So that, you know, I, I kind of stepped back from the scene once that all started happening, because it's not like now when you have... Like the internet, you're pretty quick to see what's happening. Back then it was like you're getting a letter or you're getting a, you know, a copy of a fanzine that was you know, months in the making of, you know, so you're kind of like really behind the time of getting the news. So, you know, that caused um, a lot of conflict with us. Um, We tried to reform in 97 and it, it just... I don't know. We just weren't on the same page musically, Terry and I. Um, so uh, Jim offered to step in uh, as the drummer. So that's kind of how that whole thing started. We were there was a, a seven-inch with Nunslaughter that was coming out. Um, it was like a glow-in-the-dark Halloween release, and you know they wanted that to be kind of like Dracada's like comeback from like, that that. Couple years of nothing happening, and it—it it just we couldn't pull it together. So Decapitated came in and recorded um, for that split. So that way none of could get the Halloween release out, you know. And um, that and then that that right then was like Jim was like, I'm your drummer, just you know. So I started driving to Cleveland for rehearsals and. You know, we did a few releases together.
0: And, and you know, I'm not too, um, I, I've done a little bit of touring myself, but maybe just for me and for the listeners who aren't from the area, uh, to be in Pittsburgh and to jam with someone in Cleveland, is that like a big road trip? Is that a long commute?
2: It's two hours.
0: Okay. So, I, I, yes,
2: I, I would go out on a Friday and come back Sunday night.
0: All right, and, um, you know, I wanted to get around to, to speaking about that era and about the nunslaughter guys a little bit and, and Jim Kanye, but something you said was interesting. Um, you said that originally you were jamming um, with with somebody, I think you said Scott, and um, there was an issue uh, when he got back together with his, with his girlfriend. Something we did ask Mary was, um, did you ever get any uh, kind of, like, pushback being a woman in the death metal scene? And I would ask you that, and also expand on that. Like, is there any any issues like that, like what you brought up, that we might not even realize um, you had to go through?
2: Um, not with the guys. And you have to think about, like, at this time we were teenagers. You know, like when the band was first starting and that. And the guys at that age were very shy. Um, You know, they weren't you know disrespectful or anything like that but we were uh like tomboys so you know the guys felt comfortable around us like they were like we were like the cool girls like you know the thrasher girls and so it's not like the guys thought of us any like in a weird way um you know so it's it's a different when you think of um you know like with a guy. Like if, if you think of a guy like in the in the death metal scene, and if you see like a guy in a suit, you know, like that guy in the suit, you know, isn't going to fit well with the guys in the metal scene. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like how you know we weren't like the like the preppy girls in a dress or whatever. We were like them. So you know that it's it's a really good dynamic between like. The guy and the girl, you know, what I mean? like it's not like, like I, I hear from other people that have like um, like misogynistic type of experiences, and I've I've never had that. Um, I well, I, I shouldn't say that. There were I've had people that you know were assholes, but it, it's it, it's very individual uh, related. It's not. That scene. I've had the most trouble with the women. <laughs> in oh, the really? Yes, because women—they um, have that catty thing to them. Like, like it, it's the, the, there's only a few uh, of my guy friends where I was kind of accepted in by their uh, like wife or girlfriend or, or whatever. To where it wasn't like I wasn't looked at as a as a threat. So that's always been like, you know, like like my friends. Like as soon as they get a girlfriend, they're like, I can't talk to you, my girlfriend. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, okay. Like you know, so it's always um it's always the women that get kind of goofy. And like you know, now I was working with Scott. Like he was just a friend of mine. or wasn't anything like that but when they got back together he's like i'm not gonna play with you and like now he regrets it like i'll tease him about it and um and they didn't even laugh
1: it's gonna suck for him
2: you know like he you know but when you're young and you get kind of like caught up in that kind of stuff it's that's what happens you know so like, yeah you know you yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, again, when everybody's much younger, everything is so much more. uh, It comes at you so much more rapidly uh, in that sort of way.
2: And and guys really are are very shy. You know, they're they're kind of um, especially metal guys back then. Like now, it's a it's a completely different um, kind of where people have more confidence in the scene. You know, we were kind of like the, the the outcast. Like we weren't accepted, you know, um, with the, you know, like the good-looking people walking around the earth. You know, we were kind of like, you know, we were the underground, and um, you know, we looked out for each other. And you know, if, if any, it, 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 the interesting thing about Pittsburgh and it, it's like the the um, smaller shows, like not like a Slayer show or something, like. Because the Slayer shows would bring in like others, they'd bring in like more of a like a main street type of crowd. But when it was just kind of like a um, like an underground show, like us girls could be right up front for the the, the band, and the, the guys who were our friends would trip themselves if they felt that they were gonna like ram into us if they were doing a pit like we could like literally stand somewhere and like there was no way they were going to hit us like that's how respectful it was and um, you know but we all you know we kind of like you know didn't like purposely mess anything up for them or whatever like yeah like we kind of would go off to the side or but you know there were times I remember I was like standing like in the middle of a pit it was just kind of going around and then um, I, I think I was taking a photograph or something like that and they its very respectful
1: we have to have a name for that like death metal white knighting or something <laughs>
2: that's when I hear like cause now everything's like so much broader and I hear like a lot of like this weird stuff, and I'm like, really? Like
0: nowadays, they would call it white white knighting or something, but like back then, it was just like, I'm not gonna run into this girl. Common courtesy, yeah, yeah, just common common manners. You know, going to um, a show and not being a dick. That's, that's exactly,
2: yeah. exactly. And then all of a sudden, like the people, like <laughs> kind of like came into it because they were like, oh, extreme, you know, bye. I saw this on TV or whatever, and they'd come in all drunk and they just start plowing into you and. There was one show that there was a guy that did it. It was, like, bumping into, like, all of us, like, old, old people. Like, the guys didn't like it either, and they, they kicked him out. Like, not, like, the, yeah. the venue, the guys. Right. <laughs> Get this mm-hmm. asshole out of here.
0: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that, that correlates with uh, exactly what Mary told us, was that back in the day, the scene over in Pittsburgh was very um, united, and if anybody caused problems, um, it was kind of handled internally. Uh, you know, and, and maybe, um, you know, Pittsburgh was a little ahead of its time in, in terms of that kind of unity. Um, that's, that's really cool to hear. And, um, you know, I, 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 told you, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, that later period when, um, the guys from Nunslaughter started jamming with you. Um, before we get into that, um, you know, we talked about Jim Kanye, uh, and, uh, aka Jim Sadist, who unfortunately did pass away a few years ago, uh, rest in peace, And I don't know if our listeners would be familiar with him. And a great number of bands, um, in addition to Dirkada From the Depths, Schnauzer, uh, Nunslaughter, like we said. The list goes on and on. Kind of like a local um, uh, legend in the Cleveland underground metal community. Uh, And, you know, there's documentaries on him on YouTube, things like that. Really interesting guy. I was hoping maybe you could just respectfully share with us some of your memories of working with him um, and what type of guy he was.
2: yeah. Uh, he, he was an odd guy. <laughs> Anybody that um, knows him knows exactly what I'm talking about. But he had—I don't know if it was OCD, like if that would be the proper like diagnosis for him. But um, he was very um, just uh, particular, and I didn't know how to take him at first because whenever the whole thing started um, I went to his uh, house and you know, I was like didn't really know what to expect of him and he, he 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 was the most respectful guy that I've ever ever met like as far as he talked with like manners and he, like he would like call me a lady like, like one time I had offered like to you know cut his grass. He's like, there's no way a lady's going to cut my grass, you know? Like, no, I'll do it. <laughs> like, he was very like very proper and very respectful but he had this OCD thing and at the time, his roommate was Woody. I don't know if you know Woody, but he, he used to um, sell merch um, and tour around. But he, he also
0: No, he also, I, I he don't know. Within
2: the scene. Um, but they were roommates. But Jim was a Steeler fanatic, like, and he was all in the football. Like, it as soon as, like, if there was a game, you don't dare call him. Like, it was just, (laughs) no, yeah. But he uh, had these, like, I think they were from McDonald's, like, these little helmets, like these plastic helmets. And he had them up on, like, these, like, uh, speakers or TV or something in the living room. um, And someone moved it. Like the helmet, like they moved it around and he got like seriously like like what are you doing? I, you know, I I invite you into my house, I you know, give you a place to sleep and you're gonna move these? And I'm like, What what are you talking about? And <laughs> he's like, Who he said something like something like like you know, like these were all somewhere like how they had my division and all this and, and I said to him like why would I do that and he, he said I don't know why would you do that like and it was like <laughs> a serious like thing and I'm like oh my god like is he I'm like Jim I didn't touch your your, your damn <laughs> I'm like I don't know anything about it it was Woody you know so Woody would like like just start little by little like move something out of place and he would pick up on it you know but he was very just uh, OCD like I never he wouldn't even let me do the dishes I was you know because I was staying there for the weekend and you know when you're not doing you know rehearsals it's like so you know and he goes in and I'm like, like grab a thing he's like no no don't you touch that don't you touch that and he's like I'll do the dishes uh, it's real just everything had to be a certain way so that is um like just my memory of him is just that OCD. <laughs> even he was putting like seven, seven inches in like the, in the plastic sleeve, and I went to like help him, and he was like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm gonna help." He's like, "No, no, no, I got it, I got it." And <laughs> yeah, like the very first time that um, I was meeting him, I was over at Dawn's house, and um, you know, it was like I think it was pre-cell phone days, but. Um, <laughs> he was gave me, he called over at Don's and he gave me instructions and said, you know, like just, you know, drive down this road, drive about a quarter mile. There's going to be this auto park store with a parking lot, and you're going to see, a, you know, a purple truck and a guy in like yellow pants. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what kind of instructions are these, you know? And I'm going to Don, and he's like, y- you'll be fine, you'll find it, you know? But I was like panicking. I'm like, Okay, so I turn left here, turn right here, you know, and I'm going down the street, and I'm like, how am I gonna find like a purple truck and a guy in yellow pants? And I'm like, oh my God, there's a purple truck and a guy in yellow pants, and it was Jim. So yeah, <laughs> I pulled in, and then from there, I followed him to the rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a weird guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm not disappointed because that's—I never got to meet the guy. I have followed a lot of his bands over the years, like we said, um, from the Depths, Nunslaughter, Minch, Schnauzer. I actually used to correspond with Steve Eggs of Pile of Eggs, the noise band. And that's how I got exposed to Jim Kanye's music and kind of like understood, you know, where he sat in the scene. And I know the last few years there's been like a lot of stuff on YouTube, you know, interviews with him and uh, kind of like a short documentary and stuff. So I I noticed that he did um, uh, jam with you, uh, you know, at some point. I'm I'm glad I asked you about that and you could kind of tell that story because it seems like a very eccentric uh, character, um, but but a a good person.
2: One time. He used to get on me about the Pittsburgh accent and it was nobody else in the United States like would ever talk about it, but Cleveland people, especially Jim, they they do because we say our O's differently, you know. So I when I was with him one time, he, he never would wear shoes when he, when he was driving and he hated to wear shoes. And, you know, when you store, you got to put shoes on. So he started complaining one time. He's like, oh, I got put like, damn shoes on. He had to go in there because he bought gas and he got to pay for it. And he's like, I don't know why. What's a big deal if I wear if I wear shoes or not? And I said, well, they probably don't want you to tramp on something and, and sue them. And he said, tramp? And I'm like, yeah, tramp. But he's like, and he he prides himself on, like, knowing, like, every word there is in existence you know so <laughs> he kept trying to tell me i was using the word incorrectly and he would not let up And i was seriously getting mad i'm like jim you know when you, you can step on something i mean like tramp like trample tramp you know and he wouldn't like he kept teasing me teasing me as soon as i got home i went on dictionary.com printed out the definition the tramp didn't write any note or anything. I just folded it up in an envelope, put it in the mail, and, like, mailed it to him. A couple days later, he called me just in tears laughing. He's like, I stand corrected. He's like, <laughs> I now see the error of my way. Oh, boy. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, it's, uh, that that sounds uh, like everything I would expect from uh, kind of like a local noise core hero. Um, and again, for the listeners, you might want to just go back and look up Jim Kanye, a um, of, of, of kind of a legacy. Lots and lots. So many bands, I'm not surprised to hear the guy was a, um, a little, uh, you know, OCD, um, you know, a little tight about things.
2: Yeah, that's all he did.
0: Yeah. Moving forward, uh, another project that you were involved with, you know, I, I know you dedicated most of your, um, you know, creativity over the years to Durkata, but in the early 2000s, you were in a band, uh, Evisium, if I said that right with uh mark mark mastro of rotra um uh and you were on the uh if i got the uh, the underneath the buried ep i got that right in 2003
2: yeah that sounds about right yeah it was yeah we we did the demo and then we did the ep
0: okay yeah so there and and you know i um i just happened to look it up on youtube um you know i know it's it came out on um hold on a second i got it right here in the notes it was uh, uh, on uh, Still Dead Productions in 2003, if the listeners want to look that up. But that uh, was an amazing, um, I guess, EP, that Underneath the Buried. And for for, pe- for the listeners, first of all, you should go back and do your homework if you're not familiar with Rotrevoir, especially if you're a fan of Dirkada, uh, Mythic, and, and some of the other you know um, things we've been talking about in this interview. Um, Rotrevoir, classic American band. I should try to get Mark himself on the podcast in the future. But maybe do you want to talk a little bit about Ratravor and how you initially came to work with Mark?
2: Yeah, uh, I met Mark just going to the the you know shows at the Electric Banana, um, and also you know they had shows out. He lived about an hour from Pittsburgh in a place called like like Bell Vernon or Charleroi It all like in that vicinity, and that's where a lot of the uh, like some festivals like with like Primeval Immolation Deceased would um, play out their way, so you know we were just you know friends from all of that. And he he's the one that actually designed the Durkata logo uh, logo originally, and then we had Drew Elliot um, you know tweak it, but um, but yeah, he he he's one of my best friends. Like still, um, he called me up one day and was like, you know, hey, you know what are you doing kind of a thing and he's like you know I've got this idea for this band and I want you to play bass I was like okay <laughs> so I went out and bought a bass and um, whenever I had joined it was I think a week before they were recording the demo and you know it, uh, I, I wasn't prepared for the blisters <laughs> that I was gonna get from bass strings like that, I thought, like, well, I play guitar; it's not going to be, you know, that much different. And um, yeah, it was. I, I, I was struggling. I had to hurry up and and learn the songs to record the demo while I was putting a pin in my fingers, the dream <laughs> the blisters. Because um, it was just unreal how that that ended up happening. But yeah. Uh, that that I love it. I I keep trying to get Mark to to you know to get back to it.
0: <laughs> well, maybe we could at if if not get back to it. At least we could get him to the heavy hole podcast uh, in the future. We got to reach out.
2: <laughs> I, I can definitely arrange that.
0: That it would be great to speak to. You know, I, I've always loved Raw Trevor since I got into the underground stuff. And I feel like in this in this climate nowadays where the younger generation is exploring all the old school death metal and you know the quote unquote caveman death metal sound is is back, I think Rotravore um hopefully is getting that respect. I don't you know, I don't know that they've been rediscovered. But um a proper re-release of Rotravore and of this evisium material would be amazing. This evisium really I felt like that kind of picked up where Rotrovore left off. Just such a bottom heavy gore grind, death metal sound. Um, vo- amazing vocals. Like, the guy's vocals never changed.
2: No, no. It's, it's um, you know, that that's Mark. Like, Mark and uh, Chris Webber did the writing. They uh, co-wrote, you know, most of the songs together for Roger Um And then, you know, Mark, I mean, it's he's, he still has the same formula. Like, it's still him. And he's still... He's the funniest guy ever. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely, if you figure it off, I'll text him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you know, like I said, just a, a very, a, nowadays maybe not so much uh, unique because there's been so many imitators. Maybe people that don't even reala- realize that they're imitating that Rotrevor, uh blueprint. But, um, you know, just just to wrap that up, I couldn't, once I once I um, checked out Daddy Vissium, because I realized you were in it and I listened to it, I said, we got to talk about this on the podcast. Um, the listeners should definitely check that out if, if you like that low-end death metal and gore grind. Really amazing stuff. But not to um, gloss over Dirkada now, because I keep asking you about other people than yourself. Um, can you maybe take us, you know, like I mentioned before, it isn't until 2012 that In Death We Meet is released uh, the full-length Durkata album. Um, what what goes into the process all those years, and what are some of the, uh, I, I guess we'll say, obstacles or, or some of the, um, the the things you had to wait for to, 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 to have the right situation to put that album out?
2: Well, I, I, I wanted to record with Terry again. Um, she just... It's not that she got out of the scene. She just um, was busy with work and you know, just regular life. Huh. So, you know, we would still like see each other at shows and stuff and you know, I was working with Jim Kanye, but to be honest, like the recordings that we did I wasn't happy with. Um, Jim uh changed the tempo of the songs and he and I were like, uh, ah, you know, like yeah, I was I was so shy then that I didn't stick up for it. I was just like all right, all right, you know. And after they were recorded, I'm just like they don't seem like the songs, you know. So, you know, after um, you know it was it was a pain driving, you know, two hours, you know, to go all the way out to Cleveland. So it was like, eh, you know, I started doing the Ovicium, um you know, but then I kind of, you know, kinda, you know it, like AviSiUm was nice because I, I I didn't do any of the writing, you know, like I just had to to learn. What, what he was writing so that was like a uh, that was nice so you know that was it was like so much less pressure but i still was writing cercada you know and and i didn't want to um like jim would have recorded but i was like i don't know terry and i always had this chemistry and i was almost like just curious to see, like, like all these years later, if it would if it would still be the same. So every time I would see her, like, if it was either a show or a bar or something, I'm like, Terry, I got these songs, and you know, she's like, no, 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 I don't want to, <laughs> you know, you because know, because we friends, I mean, like, we are older now, like we we know better, you know, we're not gonna like behave like that, and and she was like, yeah, I don't want to like take the chance, kind of a thing, and then we were at a. I think it was Obituary and Unleashed. Robin happened to be doing merch on that tour and um Terry just like she just looked at me and she's like let's do it. I was like really? And she's like yeah let's let's do it. So I was like all right you know but the problem was she had sold her drum set years ago. So um I was able to find a drum set like just a something to get her going. Um, and I'm like, I can't there was just, you know, drums up for sale. It's like five minutes from my house. And she's like, all right, all right, you know, we'll get it, you know. So, and then, you know, Robin being at the show, we went up to her, we're like, hey, guess what, we're going to record again. And Robin was the one that said, no, you know, we're not going to just record, you know, we're going to reform the original lineup. We're going to play some shows and do it right this time. Yeah, we put. uh, Robin wasn't uh, comfortable playing guitar anymore because she switched over to the bass. So um, you know, she was like, "Let's put Mary on guitar, and I'll take over on bass."
0: Do you you want to talk a little bit, maybe about um, the the process? uh, Right, like, had you had a uh, like a stockpile of material written for all those years, or did you write all new material once you had reformed with Terry, Mary, and Robin?
2: I had it was both. I had some songs that were already written. There were songs that, that I was working with Scott Phillips like, so this was way back that would have been the next Circada recording had Terry and I not had the fight so those songs um, were there and then we wrote additional so it was a mi- a, you know a mix of both
0: Okay, and you know, I know um, in 2012 uh, you put out the album you put that out independently correct
2: yeah it was one of those things that they were like you know we, we can put it out we can do everything that a label can do or whatever then we turned into me <laughs> <So, laughs> Every yeah, time some... they say we I'm like yeah I know how that goes <laughs>
0: Uh, some sometimes that especially when you're um, kind of like the main songwriter type of person uh, in the band I, I you know that could happen um, uh, but you know what I'm getting at is you know since you put that album and, and you do have a band camp if people want to uh, pursue that and check out that album uh, recommended Death Doom maybe in the vein if people are familiar with Winter or Cyanide uh, if you haven't heard it yet um, you know that that kind of uh, uh, I guess style, style of Death Doom on uh, the old school tradition uh, and you have kept the band going um, since releasing that album.
2: Regarding the release, check out the 2015 remix that Ola Lindgren from Grade did versus the
0: 2012. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Is that... And, and how, how, how specifically would people check out that, that version of it?
2: Just uh, put remix at the end of The Death We Meet. It's the... it. We had some... Um, in the studio, like, I, I'm a bit particular as far as, like, what I think is heavy. Like, what I think is heavy isn't what other people find heavy. So, you know, I was kind of, like, in between a, a different, like, studio engineers, like, kind of arguing as far as, no, that's not heavy enough. I mean, it needs to be this. And, um, you know, we ran into a deadline. So the 2012 uh, release, like, I was, like, I had to settle. And I'm, like, oh, man, it, to me, it just doesn't sound heavy. And Grave was touring around, and I had mentioned. Um, I think I went to give Ola a copy of the CD, and I, I just, you know, said, "Like, oh, you know, we're gonna put it on a vinyl, but I want to do a, a I want to get it remixed first, cause there there's some things that need tweaked." And he was like, "Oh, he's like, I'll do it for you." And I, I had no idea that he had a studio and did, you know, engineering and all that kind of stuff that he did. So. You know, he's like, I'll contact you once I get back from tour. And sure enough, you know, it was right around, like, New Year's or something. He messaged me and was like, hey, can you send me uh, one of the tracks and I'll do a, a rough mix? And I kind of did, like, I was like, oh, here we go. Because he's not going to get what I want. Because it's hard, you know, it's, it's very hard to, like, you know, verbalize what you're looking for as far as sound.
1: You don't get a lot of descriptors that translate the same for everyone. I mean, we deal with that all the time because we we always do these recommendations for albums and it's like it's hard to describe brutal music over and over again uniquely. So.
2: Yeah, and and and, and I don't have that type of education behind it. So I, I don't know, like I use words like tinty like like it's something I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but I'm like I ah, know the guitars on tinty, you know, and it was like, "What?" <laughs> but but Ola, new like i sent him a couple lines i'm like oh here we go i'm gonna have to tell ola like no i don't it's not what i'm looking for and um you know he sent me a mix i burned it to cd i took it to my car for the car test you know and i was like oh my god this is it and it's he, he just gets it so 2015 if you guys um haven't checked it out check out ola's mix
0: I, I listened to the album several times um, in preparation for this. I have to go back and make sure I was listening to the right mix. And you mentioned vinyl. Was there a vinyl release?
2: Yes. Uh, back new record uh, put it out on vinyl, which is John's Incantation's label. And um, it has bonus tracks plus um, a live. It's, it's a double vinyl. So it's got the live, ver- uh, four live songs, and then... Uh, Additional bonus
0: tracks, okay. So, uh, remixed by Ola Lindgren of Grave, released by John from Incantation. Sharon, feel free to name drop, don't be shy. Um, <laughs> 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 no, that's, <laughs> that's awesome, and it only speaks to, um, you know, the pedigree uh, of the release. I, you know, I, I consider um, it's a case I've made for a few old school bands that, I, you know, like I said before about war like in this climate nowadays. I don't know if you're familiar with Maggot Stomp Records. We, we interviewed Scott McGrath from that label, um, putting out a lot of younger bands that have that old-school death doom sensibility, and I think that Dirkada album is something people should go back to uh, if they're not familiar with it. And um, it didn't stop there, though, because uh, Dirkada was very busy playing, I noticed, mainly festivals. Killtown Death Fest 2018. Um... Uh, Northwest Terror Fest in Seattle just last year in 2019 I think that might have been why you did the Reddit uh, AMA to promote that Um, do you want to talk a little bit about I I guess touring might be a little more difficult um, you know as as people have adult uh, responsibilities in life like like we all do and and you hit the festival circuit
2: yeah that's for me I have no desire at all to tour and I don't think that my vocals would stand you know after a couple of days um, I don't know how people do it You know It's
0: huh.
2: it's um, I, I Like I, I, I need a good night's sleep <laughs> huh. You know and, and for us the, the level of a band That we would be touring in Is like a van With equipment You know what I mean So it's not like You know we would be in some like Tour bus and someone's driving us Whenever we play out of state, you know, we're sleeping in uh, like uh, the rest areas, you know, we take shifts and all that. So it's to do that for one show. Yeah, that's fine. But to do that for like a week or two, I'm not (laughs) that, that doesn't sound appealing to me. So to me, playing a festival is like killing a lot of birds with one stone because people will travel in. Um, you know, there's a good mix of different bands to see, and you, you kind of accomplish a lot with doing that versus got to go here, got to go here, got to go here. Because yeah, I mean, you know how it is. You know, you, after a show it's, it's like two, three o'clock in the morning. It's just a rough life. I have no desire. For me, I, I'm I, like I don't even like the popularity or any of that. Like I'm, I'm cool, like kind of being in the the background, <laughs> and, you, you know, whenever it, it's time, I mean, we practice every week, it's not like, it's not like, it's not an active thing. And you know, like, you know, he gets like a week off, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just, it's just not something we we can, um, you know, and, you know, Trish has been filling in, or actually, she, actually, she replaced Mary, um, because Mary, I don't, I don't know if she mentioned it. It doesn't sound like she did, but she, her, and some people bought a uh, a venue. Um, but getting that um work, and so Trish, who used to fill in for Robin on bass whenever Robin wasn't able to play shows, moved over to the car. So, but Mary, it's not like Mary's out of the band because you know it's. We're we're always, um, you know, together. You know, it's like if Trish can't play a show, then Mary can play it. Or if Robin can't play, then Mary can step in. So it's one of those. But she had to um, take a back seat because of, um, you know, her new business venture.
0: Well, uh, you know, uh, Mary has a lot going on. She has a lot of irons and a lot of different fires. Um, And and we got it. It's hard to keep up with her. Um, but that's interesting to know and kind of like impressive that she's involved in another kind of music underground related venture um, to that point and that kind of sets me up for this question because um, you mentioned uh, Trish and you mentioned uh, Robin Mason filling in who we should note is also uh, in the band Gruesome who some of our listeners may be familiar with um, and you know she's obviously like a lifer in a, in a few different bands and um, uh, has made uh, you know um, a habit of uh, being a, a merch person, touring with different bands, working uh, for them that way. Uh, what advice maybe could you give um, or could you speak to maybe our female listeners who are uh, trying to form a band, trying to find their way in the scene, um, and, and maybe they don't have as many other women around them as uh, you did in Pittsburgh back in the day?
2: You just do it. I mean, there's no one that is stopping anybody from doing anything. And the whole um, female thing, I always found that to be extremely, um, like, kind of, like, arrogant of guys to think that they're the only ones that can do it. You you know, it's, like, weird. It's a really, you know, I I kind of, you know, just get a kick when people... um, or like, oh wow, like you're a female dude and I was like like yeah, I can drive a car too. Like I Yeah, <laughs> you know, like lots of things that I can do that you can do. And I used to always say this back in the day even, like when you look at like uh like Ann Rice, you know, she wrote, you know, those horror novels and stuff. Like it, it it's 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 all this music is is writing like it's like the musical version of like of a horror film or something you know so it's not like this is just a guy thing so if it, i don't want girls to feel that that it's ever been that case because it, it, it just happens and um a guy makes them feel for that way you just you know just step right over them just keep going it's like there's there's been uh when it first started out with dracada and i was like telling people about like the death metal vocals and all that there were some of my friends, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, you know, not really realizing that a girl can actually do it the same way. Like, there's no additional trick for a girl to do it. And if, if you look at, listen to uh, Chuck from Death, if you listen to any of his old interviews, his voice was very soft. He was very soft-spoken. Um, very, um, like, it used to remind me like, a valley girl or something, because i some <laughs> like a surfer. And listen to his vocals it has nothing to do with you know like gender or anything to be able to do it it's like i, I it's like sorry to disappoint of guys actually thought that was like <laughs> their realm <laughs> but it but it's not That's not the case so i don't want any women to think that they need to feel like um second best or anything you just kind of just do it and if someone thinks that way it doesn't, it doesn't matter you could just doing what you want to do Uh,
0: absolutely you know i think there's maybe more um women uh, participating in death metal nowadays uh maybe some doors are open that that weren't back in the day that sort of thing and um that that idea that only a man could do death metal vocals you know it's funny because i'm i've addressed this on social media recently i'm just naturally a pretty big guy and it's not like i'm I'm arnold schwarzenegger or something i'm kind of overweight and i have a broad frame and people have said over the years like that, that there must be some correlation between that and me doing death metal vocals and doing deep guttural vocals. And I always say, um, they're, they're really if there's any natural advantage I have, it's slight and it's minute, because it's a technique that um, most people could learn how to do and could practice. I've seen people half to even a third my size. I'm not going to call out any names, but I've seen people that are not um, my size learn how to do vocals way better than me. I've seen women um, of all you know shapes and sizes learn how to do vocals. Uh, there are women that could put me to shame doing the death metal vocals. So, it really, there's no correlation with like being a big burly person, a big guy, or something like that, and doing the death metal vocals. Uh, you know, let alone playing a guitar or playing drums, which that you know that should go without saying.
2: Great. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, uh, like, the orchestras, you know, and how many women are playing in orchestras, like, they're, like, playing real instruments. It's it's not yeah. that, like, it's just, like, yeah. like just, like a, like, a guy can only accomplish it. There's so many, like, on Instagram, like, oh I don't go on social media too often. You know, I the times I'll go on Instagram is if I want to find, like, a video of Randy Rose, because for some reason Instagram has a lot, you know, versus if it's just, like, Google Randy, um, there's, like, hardly no videos of Randy playing, but Instagram somehow, you know, I can find things, but then, you know, either you know, that main page on Instagram will start showing you, uh, suggestions, and there are a lot of females that they can fucking play Randy Rose. like, like, like what the fuck? <laughs> like you know, like they they are like top notch. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they're in bands or whatever, but to play like Randy is, is impressive. So,
1: any preconceived notion about that is very silly, especially now when people are they have more knowledge at their fingertips.
2: Yeah, for me, it, it's playing isn't the. Um, um that that that's the just the small hurdles but it's the ideas that you come up with and how you can make it into something you, you know a lot of people um there's a lot of you know, like boy bands <laughs> that sounds all recycled they're doing the same thing over and over like if, if i put um their band on you know it could be anybody you know if i walk into uh like a friend's house and they're playing like a, you know a band, it's that could be anybody but if you walk into like you know someone playing bolt thrower you're like that's bolt thrower you you know what i mean so
0: yeah yeah
2: there's it, it's how you do it so just because someone's a boy it doesn't mean that their band is really anything great I'm not saying my band's great either I'm just saying that it's not like like the, the girls have to, to strive to be <laughs> you know better it's, it's it's not a competition it's just what you the ideas that you have and just like Anne Rice who you know you could write these horror novels you know you can also write death metal it's just the same type of thing you know
0: Absolutely, and you know I'm glad to hear you say that. And I I just wanted to address it. Uh, It might kind of seem even um, uh, like like not you know unnecessary to bring it up or something like that. But I just feel like there might be some listeners somewhere um, who you know maybe aren't fortunate enough to be in a local scene and a local community um, that's that's with the times. You know, there's there's people somewhere that you know that are still. Unfortunately, led to believe that uh, you know maybe they they um they, they, they shouldn't be playing death metal or they can't or whatever like that. So you know I let them hear hear it from from you rather than than me. Um, and you know that being said, you said something uh, about uh you know you don't follow social media you know so much, which is a smart move in this day and age. But um, before we ask you for your uh, your recommendations of music, uh, just in general like. You know, I know you mentioned some of the inspirations for when you were first starting Dirkada, but all these years later, playing, um, you know, uh, like atmospheric kind of Death Doom, with you know that real sludgy music. What are some of the bands that kind of keep you going, all that like through all these years, still to this day, like that have stayed the test of time? And when you listen to them, you say, "I want to write a Dirkada riff." You know,
2: uh, Bolt Thrower. They've never oh. ever failed me. Bathory. That's like I've been on a factory bloodfire kick, uh, or bloodfire death kick, recently. Where um, I can't get enough of it. I mean, it's like songs that from like the '80s that you would have thought you would have tired by now, and it's they they never disappoint. I mean, even like entombed, left hand path, it, it just it just never gets old.
0: Wow! Now you're talking my language, um, and, you, and you're and you're us right up for those album recommendations that I asked you about. Just real quick before that, though, um, you know the the Durcada obviously playing the festivals the last few years. The album has been out, uh, and we acknowledge, you know, like with all of our guests. Uh, unfortunately, the coronavirus situation has slowed everything down and shut down live music. But for people who follow Durkata, um what What's on the horizon? Are are there plans to record something new? Or are you just naturally taking the writing process where it goes?
2: Yeah, we're going to be recording. We have, I think it's about six songs. Um, We got one song complete. It's called Duff Times. And we're working on uh, the other. And the the songwriting process, it's like weird. So it's like I'll stumble over a riff get a lyric over top of it and that's how my songs start i have i think four songs with just that process to where i got like a couple of the riffs and i got a couple of the lyrical lines um and then we have and then i think we have like three that are somewhat almost complete so it's you know, it's a good thing with the coronavirus, um, I mean, I, I always stay home anyway, so it's not anything different, but as far as the band, you know, there's, you know, we're, we can't really do anything, so it's, it's nice that we're kind of like, hey, let's jam, so, you know, we're getting uh, things accomplished. And hopefully, that we were just talking uh, like, about it, like, we want to record in this fall, but I don't know if we're going to be able to get
0: into a studio because of the whole coronavirus thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the situation with my uh, my bands and a lot of other people's bands right now. But, um, you know, like I said, if there's one good thing that could come out of all this craziness going on right now, maybe we'll have a lot of great new music to listen to eventually uh, because every all the artists have been kind of, you know, holed up um, with their instruments, uh, you know, at this point. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's good to hear that uh, you, know, you guys are um, still uh, you know, progressing on new material. We look forward to checking that out. And uh, Sharon, before we let you off the hook, uh, because we do want to be respectful of your time, we want to ask you um, to recommend for us and for the listeners uh, one older release and one newer release by any artists that you like uh, just as a recommendation for, uh, for our music uh, you know, enjoyment.
2: I would say Bathory Bloodfire Death like i said that's my that's been my daily jam um and uh as far as something newer check out the band hell from portland i don't know if you're hell familiar from portland. from portland oregon all i can say is they sound what you would think hell would sound like <laughs> yeah, i i think they're considered like funeral doom like that's something that like a genre that came later so I was I wasn't real like when people first started talking about Funeral Doom I was like oh it's probably so boring and like Drone draw, like drawn out and and it's then like, I we, they played a festival with us and so I was like oh who's this band and it was like oh my god I like as soon as they were done I'm like at the merch court, Who's buying shit I mean it was they're they're one of my favorite bands now but check them out.
0: Awesome. awesome, and you know, I, as the years go by, I find that's so true that a lot of the newer bands I get into are bands that I see live, and they kind of win me over. Uh, you know, it's 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 so there's so many bands now, you know.
2: It's um it's complete saturation. Uh, back in like the day, um, it was a struggle to come up with a band name because it seemed like everything was taken, and and like we're well, like thirty years later. You know, now they're into statins.
0: You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. just so many bands, you can't keep up with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, well, you know, Sharon, we uh, strong too with the Bathory, Bloodfire, Death. I've been kind of on an old Bathory, uh, Bloodfire, Death, and uh, Return um, kind of kick. You know, kind of like the, the, I guess you know some people refer to it as the first wave black metal. Uh, stuff um, You know, we talk about that sometimes on the show. Strong recommendation. And uh, Hell, I definitely got to check out. Hell from Portland, Oregon. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely look look for that. Um, and so will the listeners. So, uh, Sharon uh, Biskoski of Dirkada, we appreciate your time so much. Uh, we thank you for sharing your story with us. And again, we're going to um, recommend to the listeners that In Death We Meet album that's out, uh, and any of your other releases that they want to go check out on the internet. Is there anything um, that you would like to plug that we might have missed, or anything you want to say to fans of your music and listeners of our show?
2: Well, Mary's uh, venue, when that opens up, it's called Shred Shed. So, um Yeah, so she's been working, the COVID came in and kind uh, of messed gosh. up all progress of that, so they're On hold, and they just recently were able to start, you know, get back working with it. So, yeah, so definitely coming through Pittsburgh, check out Shred Shed.
0: All right, Oz. Awesome. Yeah, this, this goddamn virus, it, you know, it, it, it's uh, we're not going to dwell on it, but, yeah, it's, it's shut down a lot of things for a lot of people. But um, we're going to keep our eyes out for Dirkada and for you and for Mary and whatever projects and ventures you're working on, um, and we urge our listeners to check out all the music that we talked about in this program. Uh, Sharon, thank you very much for your time, and we, we we wish you the best of luck going forward with everything.
2: Thank you. You too. Stay safe.
0: Thanks. Thanks. Absolutely. We appreciate your time. Have a good one.
2: Thank Thank you. you. You
0: too. Take care. Good to get a woman's perspective on Rotravor. I have uh, something I always say.
1: Specifically, Rotravor. You say that all the <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: uh, Evisium. Look, Dirkada I love too, but that Evisium featuring uh, Mark Mastro of, of Rotravor, highly recommended too. Uh, all kidding aside, thank you to Sharon for her time, man. Great to speak to her. Um, and, uh, you know, we hope uh, that, uh, you know, after this, after this virus uh, allows us to get back to a more productive schedule as musicians, so we can maybe see them live and all that sort of thing. Um, but in the meantime, we can always listen to music in the privacy of our own homes. And I'm hoping you guys are finding time to pencil that in between whatever other degenerate stuff you do in the privacy of your own homes. Allegedly. <laughs> you know we are. Yes. <laughs> ah, come on, man. Hit me. Alright, uh, f-
1: so now now I play the fun word game um, My recommendation for this week is Yikes f- From Finland mm. Aransi Pazuzu uh, Yes w- Which is Finnish for orange Pazuzu uh, okay. <laughs> Aransi being the Finnish word for orange uh. Like the color we, we know here And uh, Pazuzu, uh. a wind demon from Babylonian mythology Very Interesting. fun Interesting so I want to sh- I want to shout out their their brand new record, Mestarian Kyansi. I'm just gonna I'll spell that out for you. That's M E S T A R I N space K Y N S I. Came out this past April on Nuclear Blast. So I've been following this band for a little bit, and uh, I'm kind of into their new EP over here. Uh, just it, it follows suit from. For what this band's known for It's a just a twisting slow burn Of black metal And black metal adjacent riffing Needed in between psychedelic Synth folk trip Noise prog kind of deal um, mm. This this band to me uh, mm. I sum it up in two words get Tension and flow uh, okay. It's like a constant building uh, Of tension uh, sometimes leading to very satisfying, good feel, good feeling musical conclusions or far too often into states of higher anxiety and even more tension. Um, all while having the feeling of, if, if this is possible, um, falling down into outer space, uh, very, very slowly. Wow. Uh, it, it's, it, this thing drones and drones on, uh, in this kind of like meditative fashion, um, you know, parts of it remind me of old, like you know, Gregorian chanting, or it's just somebody just howling on a didgeridoo. Uh, but I, you know, I find myself being very productive when I'm listening to this band. Be it like working on the computer, in the shop, chopping wood, and I just fucking love it, man. Like uh, just when you think it's 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 lulling, or it's, you're getting bored of it, they kind of smack you with with some cool dynamic change. Um, and that's kind of par for the course of this band, and they kind of just show you. You know, slightly different facets of, of what they're capable of, um, you know, in, in this sort of dense world that they're living in. Um, I'd recommend 2016's, and here's another Finnish word, Varaheltalija. Oof. That's probably, that's my favorite, my favorite one there. It's just look for the one that starts with a V. <laughs> and, uh, a and a it's lot pretty of dots over uh, A's. <laughs> yeah, so Aransi Pazuzu. Uh, I'm going to listen to this when I go fishing tomorrow
0: i wow okay man throwing me for a loop you got t- you talk about like he's trying to distract me uh trying to distract me like a uh, like a nice bright orange bucktail jig uh with the fishing <laughs> talk right rating right the rating right the recommendation but you're not going to man the bucktail y- yeah I'm not taking a hook line and sinker uh and I'm also not gonna try to pronounce this band that you're talking about this Aranzi Pazuzu oh I did it. Um, I you know personally the music uh for this particular song you sent me the link to the official music video, it, you know not my cup of tea necessarily. I'm not for knocking in the band. Um, it's just, you know if the you know the listeners know me, man, it's a little bit of a stretch for my normal fickle interests in music. Um, but I found that the music suited the video very well, and the music along with that music video just made like a perfect little art film uh, in its own way. It reminded me of like kind of like Fritz Lang. Like old old school Nosferatu, kind of like old school film, um, and totally. when you watch the whole music video, which is you know it's it's not you know it's not like watching a two hour movie. It's digestible in that format. You see it un, unravel into an interesting commentary on modern society and the surveillance uh, systems we use. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. How the advent of CCTV. Uh, and um, surveillance cameras affected the music scene and made uh, violence in shows at least more accountable. I don't Mm -hmm. know that we have the statistics that violence went up or down at shows. It probably comes and goes with other reasons, but uh, that surveillance cameras, not just with underground heavy metal and hardcore and punk shows, I know it affected like the uh, the quote-unquote football hooligan culture um, and any other culture really where uh you know people settling scores violently uh you know kind of in an underground fashion that was all with the cctv affected and we've talked about that so that that's kind of what that brought to my mind and when you watch that video it's so interesting um and and i thought it was like a really like brilliant social commentary in a scary way man so i don't know that i would listen to that album every day driving my car or something as a fan but uh, it, it was really effective with the music video, and I would encourage the listeners to check that out as a whole, as a, as a whole piece with the video. Hell yeah, dude! You, you got arted. You got the full art. I'm stroking my beard. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching the video, and I'm pondering the meaning of life. I, it Hell did yeah. it. It took me the there. The orange ponder. Yeah. <laughs> the rants.
1: My recommendation for the evening is an old one. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, and they brought up the band Watane. and Mm -hmm. it was phrased in the conversation, it seemed as if I should know a lot about Watain, and I do not. So I started my dive, and I went to their first full-length, which was Rabid Death Curse, 2000 on Drakkar Productions. It's very interesting to me in this album, that they're able to maintain this atmosphere thing and also keep the brutality levels so high without necessarily doing the dark funeral wall of sound thing. Uh, there's riffs in this. Black metal usually is opposed to riffs in general. It's more about the, the chord changes and the, and the darkness that's implied behind just using minor chords and things and going up and down the neck and creating an atmosphere that way. Uh, this has riffs. Uh, and I liked a lot of them, man. There's like a technicality to this that uh, I, I think a lot of black metal fans maybe were not into at this time. I mean, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know Watain is a pretty big band now. They've survived their controversies. They've pushed forward. They've got a few people sick and said some bad things uh, uh, for shock <laughs> value. But uh, all in all, they're just that's all it is. It's not, they don't seem like the kind of band who's pushing any kind of terrible, terrible message other than the Satan stuff that we've been fairly desensitized to already, uh, but this album's killer. I really enjoy. Uh, I like the production in it a lot. I like the riffs a lot. I like the the dude's vocal performance. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a go for me.
0: Yeah, um, Wattain I, I think Wattain's a great band. You know, musically, the uh, the whole uh, like like the, I guess you could say hype around the band. And you know, I've heard a lot of stories. I, um, I I've met a few people and a few friends of mine. Um, are I guess kind of like closer with them and and know them uh, you know and and things like that and I've been very intrigued over the years and um, I gotta admit I have a lot of respect for I guess the purity of of metal of what they do and how they approach it you know they just they're so convicted uh, towards their particular brand of of metal and how they approach it that I kind of have to respect it as an artist and um, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of all their music. I like some of their other albums better than this one. This one is, it's like you said, dude, there's good riffs, there's good stuff going on. That kind of corpse production, I don't know if this qualifies as corpse production. I don't want to get messages. I'm not not—I'm not the cult guy here. But that kind of, that raw production on this, um, it's just a little too much for me. I don't know that I would go back to this album repeatedly and listen to it all the time. Although there's a lot of really good, almost dissection-esque Um, um, a lot of black metal stuff going on that's cool there. It's just, you know, for for my years, I don't know that I would listen to this a whole lot, but uh, checking out Watain's discography and seeing it for yourself and listening to it for yourself, I should say, is definitely, I'd say, a worthy endeavor because, uh, like Public Enemy said, don't believe the hype. Um, You know, check the band out for yourself. Uh, You know, unfortunately, in this day and age, you can't go watch them for yourself. Uh, but any band like that that gets a lot of hype and rumors and stories about them in the scene and articles about them, check it out for yourself and listen to the album once through for yourself. I, I highly recommend that. Tom, but just uh, out of curiosity, why did your mom think that you should know so much about <laughs> <laughs> Um, That's a that's a good question. Today I'm going to be talking to you guys and the listeners about future Phobia from Bosnia and Herzegovina, if I said that right. I, I may have uh, butchered that a little bit with the Long Island accent, but uh, future Phobia with their debut uh, Last Rights EP. Very excited about this. Really cool cover art, kind of like a throwback. Uh, this band is, um, it's funny because we are just talking to Sharon uh, Baskoski of Decada and she recommended that Bathory, Bloodfire death mm-hmm. and when this when I was thinking about what to say about future phobia is they remind me a lot of that first wave black metal Bathory, Sodom destruction Celtic frost etc 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 but also that blurry area between extreme thrash and early death metal of the 80s um, these guys have a lot in common I'd say with maybe beneath the remains or even going further back to schizophrenia era sepultura uh, you can find maybe your old Pestilence, your old death, your your real thrashy death metal stuff going on here. Really cool uh, EP, um, five songs in and out. And uh, like I said, this is just quality. Uh, you listen to the guitar tone. You listen to the vocals, whatever production they have on the vocals. And again, just look at the cover art. Um, this is This is so old school and classic. This is like everything that made metal scary and cool as I was a young kid in the 80s. I just dropped my phone, it's so scary, it leapt out of my hand. Um, let, me, let me pick it up here, because I'm actually looking at the, the band. But you know, this is available on Bandcamp. I know that it was a CD that was independent re, independently released, so um, ordering it nowadays with everything going on with the coronavirus and all that stuff, I don't know where you're gonna get it from if you want the physical copy, but look them up on Bandcamp, that's Futurephobia with their EP Last Rights. And if you're in the mood for something, like I said, old school, maybe of the same nature as that first wave black metal uh, and thrash death metal of the uh, late 80s, um, th- this is right there with it, man. Highly recommended. Uh, I kind of randomly came upon it with the algorithm, looking for some new stuff today, and um, I listened to this a few times, and I had to make it my recommendation. phobia from Bosnia and uh, Herzegovina. The
1: vocals are really strange. There's like a filter going on, but it's not like... It's not like a uh, pitch shifter or something, there's like a, uh, a flanger or phaser just like coupling. I like the experimental aspect of this. It's
0: kind of what gives it like that, that old school flavor to it. Also, mm-hmm. The vocal effect and the guitar effect, just the, the way that those sound and the tone that they got for both of those uh, really drove home that kind of vintage old school quality to it for me, man. So I so, love this, man. Real cool riffs. Uh, cool atmosphere of old school metal of death, uh, with just enough thrash to, to really make it catchy. And um, that cover art is just so, you know, not bra- not 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 reinventing the wheel of death metal and black metal imagery, but so effective. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want something that is modern and from nowadays, but represents that old school thrash first wave of black metal in a in a uh, very pure fashion and traditional fashion. Very tasteful. Good logo too. Exactly. I
1: like that logo. Put the hourglass in there. Very nice. I love it. Yeah, I love yeah. the flange. Fu- yeah. I love the flange. I love the mids. Everything. It's great.
0: Nice. It, 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 See so you guys are the engineers. You got the terms. I don't have the terms, but I know I like what I what I hear. And um uh, yeah, like the, the you know, the logo, the, the name itself, phobia I thought about that and I was like, what an appropriate name for these unfortunate times we live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, who doesn't have future phobia at the moment? Where you know where where's 2020 gonna go next? You know? Uh, regardless, you can be listening to to Future Phobia, you know, as, as the world churns. Fight the yeah, man. Future phobia, man. Oh, cool old school shit. I could talk about it all night. I was really cool. I was really uh, happy to hear that, man. And, um, uh you know i want to thank you guys man it was pretty raw recommendation round tonight uh, i feel like you know what i mean everything was kind of black metal and raw you know even justin's was a little more produced but with the film and everything it got a little dark in the recommendations tonight uh no gutturals really very strange for Hmm. us must be feeling a certain type of way you know yikes happens gonna have to change that with some upcoming guests uh, somehow we'll see uh, but you guys know I'm always good for the guttural vocals uh, but uh, you know enough about my alleged one-man project I'm working on now uh, we'll, you know we'll allude to that in the future uh, but yeah and um, I think Sharon Biskoski actually started it off recommending that blood fire death uh, album you know everything just got super evil and raw for us tonight and we recommend we you know we we, we got that mojo going and hired and, and uh, recommended all that that raw stuff so um... I'm going to go burn sage all over my house uh, and, um, and cleanse uh, everything, you know, and, and um, also take a shower, uh, you know, because the, the, the gore grind spirits are all over me. It's fucking crazy in here, man. Listen, uh, we thank Sharon Biskoski of Dirkada for her time uh, and sharing her story with us tonight. Um, very good to speak with her. I thank you, gentlemen for everything you do uh, and for the bands you brought to my attention Justin for that high end art film you recommended to me that was great <laughs> love it yeah um, coming straight out to galleries yeah uh, you know maybe if people uh, may, could you recommend maybe a website that has a gallery uh, yeah. of sticker packs available
1: yeah I'll, hold on I'm just writing my shopping list for uh, for bait for tomorrow but let me flip it over and write down this website so I don't forget it and I hope neither of you uh, forget it uh, too Right? Heavyholepodcast.com. You, you, you getting the
0: local squid or the imported squid? I'm going to try and get the local squid. You know, you eat local, you fish local. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're big. You got to chop them up. They're bigger, those All right, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, give it, I'm,
1: I'm going you know, to see how many bunker I can get to. I'm looking for five, but check it out. We don't sell bunker, yeah. but maybe we will at Heavyholepodcast.com in the near future. Uh, that's Heavyholepodcast.com. Type it into your web browser, your safaris, your duck duck goes, your Firefoxes, your Internet Explorers. Just on your phone Text it to your mom Text it to your dad Write it down in an envelope As uh, as a birthday card Instead of your name Because it's a pretty good website (laughs) Um, Go check it out Check out the shop Buy a sticker pack While they still last Limited quantities We just sent a few sticker packs To New Zealand Uh, Listener in New Zealand Thank you so much I hope it gets there To you in time For when you need it I assure Um, you It might not I put uh, I put you know a couple extra stamps on there. Make sure make sure everything is fine. You know grease the wheels of the post office and whatnot worldwide. Allegedly,
0: allegedly.
1: So as you know, Heavy Hole Podcast we're international. We uh, we have no borders at all, and um, we are soon going to have no sticker packs. So get it while you can, and stay tuned for uh, merchandise updates.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself, Justin. Thank you, Uh, and thank you to all the listeners. Um, you can also check out make sure you, when you go on that com, you look for us on our patreon patreon.com. We got our um, extra little little funny videos and bonus episodes and talk about stuff and everything. We do a little bit more for you than this uh, you know once a week joint that we drop for everybody. Um, working hard behind the scenes for you on that. So check that out man. Uh, thank you to Sharon Biskowski at Dirkada. We appreciate that. Um, they have that in Death We Meet album and for now that's how many albums did they drop, Tom? One. Flames to slay!